Well, Brother Schmidt, of course, he was assistant pastor here for about five years, been a replacement missionary, been a pastor. He's been serving the Lord for a long time. Of course, if you live a long time, you get to serve the Lord a long time. Isn't that right? And my best friend, glad to have him here. Come preach to us. Thank you, brother. Amen. Did you turn on the microphone? I turned on the microphone. Well, good evening, folks. It's a joy for me and Jackie to be here when the uh, pastor asked me to preach. Or I, I kind of talked him into it, I think. You know, I kind of shamed him a little bit. You know, I'm getting old, Brother Mike, and I sure would like to preach one more place before I die. And, <laughs> and uh, went along with stuff like that. And after a while, he kind of looked at me and said, well, I reckon I can find a place for you to preach here sometime. So... Uh, thank you for letting me come. He asked me to give my testimony before I preach to you. I'm going to preach to you out of the 15th chapter of John when we uh, want to get to preaching here in just a minute or two. But it was 1969, and I'd just been out of the Navy a little bit, and Jackie and I had been married a couple of years, and she was pregnant with our first child. and She was eight months along, and I got to thinking about being a dad. My father died at 46 years of age of alcoholism. My mother was a bartender. Never been to church in my life. I looked at Jackie on a Saturday and I said, honey, let's go to church. I got to thinking, I got to find out how to be a dad somewhere. Maybe a church can tell me something. And she said, okay, that's how Jackie's always been. You know, she's been the sweetest thing that ever happened to me. And uh, she said, where are we going? I said, well, I just put a sound system in a church. That was what I did for a living. I was a sound technician. I said, I just put it in a church. I don't know what kind of church it is, but let's go there. It was a big church, and I figured we could hide. So we got up and went to church that morning, went into the church, sat down. Man began to preach. See, Brother Snecksnyder sitting out there. I don't know how in the world the preacher did it. But somehow the finger that he had up there got right in my face. You see, I'd happened to stumble into an independent, fundamental, hell and fire brimstone preaching Baptist church. And he didn't say, oh, you're going to be a good daddy. He didn't say everything's going to be fine. He said, you're a hellbound sinner and you're going to die and go to hell if you don't trust Jesus Christ as your personal savior. And then he gave the gospel message. When we walked out of that church, smoke coming out of my ears because I lit up my last, another cigarette that I smoked all the time, said, I'll never come back there again. How can that dare that man say that, things like that? But folks, you know, don't you? All week long, the Holy Spirit of God began to work on the heart of a dead sinner and so I got Saturday, I said to Jackie, I'm going to give that preacher another chance. <laughs> and we went back, and guess what he did? He preached the same thing to me. I don't know what he preached, but whatever it was, it stirred my heart and soul. That Sunday night, I went home, tossed and turned in bed all night long, got up that Monday morning, driving off to work, and my brand new, you love this, in my brand spanking new, bought it with seven miles on it, 1969 Chevrolet, Full-size pickup truck, four on the floor, V8 engine, paid 2600 bucks for it. 
got driving down 6th Avenue in Denver, the tears started coming down my eyes. I could feel the fires of hell lapping around my feet. And I knew I was a hell-bound sinner. Pulled that car over to the side of the road, that truck. Just bowed my head and told Jesus I was a sinner. Asked him to save me. And he did. Got to work that morning. The boss's wife was sitting there. She looked at me and says, what happened to you? She saw something different immediately. God called me to preach within a month, preach my first sermon in September of 1969. God called us off to Tennessee Temple. Went there for four years. God blessed us in the work there. Pastored three churches. Got to have the privilege of meeting Brother Allison, and we started a college here. Then God called me to be a missionary at 62 years of age. And we allowed, God allowed us to work on a mission field. Came back, got sick, had to retire when I was 75. You all know about that, you know, because we were here. But God's still using me. Turned 80 yesterday. I'm going to preach to you tonight. Isn't God good? Couldn't have had a better friend than Mike Allison. Couldn't have had a better church friend than Madison Baptist Church. Thank you all. We've met some great, wonderful people here. We love you. I don't know how good I'm still at preaching. My feet don't work. My legs don't work at all. But uh, so far, the old mind is still clear. And the heart is still in the same place it was 54 years ago. People need the Lord. People need Jesus Christ and nothing else. Simply this, I'm going to preach to you tonight. Where's your joy? Where is your joy? Turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to John chapter number 15. Now, you know the story well, the story of the vine, the story of the branches. God's speaking about the fact of serving him. But I just want to focus in on a couple of verses and preach to you tonight on on a joy in our life. In verse number nine, it says, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. Very clear statement. Continue in my love. If you keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you. Now, isn't this interesting? He's totally talked to them about his love. But notice this verse. That my joy might remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Let's look at that verse again. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. I want to speak to you about where is your joy, and end with a little thought about joy tonight. We... uh, I don't think we understand the word at all. Let's pray together. Father, Lord, tonight, by your marvelous grace, will you allow me to preach your word? Will you fill me with your spirit and let me be the preacher that you want me to be? Father, I thank you for allowing me to have 54 wonderful years of being able to preach your word. But, Lord, all those don't matter because, you see, tonight only matters. 
There might be somebody here that doesn't know you, Lord, the way I know you. Oh, Father, touch that heart. There might be a Christian here that's brokenhearted. Help them to find the joy that only you can give. But, oh, Lord, bless this dear church tonight. But bless my preaching, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You all know the story. Teaching given just before Gethsemane. It's not going to be long till our Savior is going to be sent to a cross to die in our stead. And he gives the analogy of the vine and the branches. And he tells us, and he states that he say these things that we might have joy. He speaks about joy. But then he says something rather, rather interesting, and I think we need to get a hold of it. He says, joy follows love and obedience. It just doesn't happen, folks. You just don't wake up this morning, one morning and say, hey, I think I'll just be happy today. Have you ever tried that? It doesn't work. It doesn't take long till somebody yells at you or somebody does something stupid. You know, somebody says something like, we love the, the, the Republic of North Korea. You know, you know what, who knows? You know, some dumb thing like that somewhere along the line. Uh, most of you won't understand that, but uh, you, I guess you will. But he says that joy follows love and obedience. His wish is that we continue in his love. Verse number nine, first he says, continue in my love. But then, and it's an interesting thing, it's a Greek word, meno, and, it, and it's just the same uh, 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 Greek word as abide. To just stay there, don't move. Enjoy my love. But then he says, continue in my love. Now, folks, he doesn't say continue loving me. He says continue in my love. When you got saved, the Holy Spirit of God literally came to indwell in you. And God's love became a part of your life. But at the same time, that old wretched flesh never left anywhere, did it? It's right there. So you had a choice. You could go along with the love that you've always had, or you could pick up on the love that God has now given you and start to continue in it. And that's what he's talking here with them. Get out of the fact of the love that you think you have, which is probably only some kind of a lust or some kind of affection, and understand the true love that Jesus Christ gave you on the day that you trusted him as your Lord and Savior. And he says, continue in this. I thought about this word continue. When I went off to my first ministry, my pastor was a fellow by the name of Elbert Yates. And he had a trouble pronouncing words and getting things right. At least it drive me nuts. He got up preaching on these newfangled computers. <laughs> Drove me nuts, you know, people just saying things like that. But he got with me one day. And he sat me down. He said, Walter? He called me Walter. It's like I, I got a daughter-in-law or a granddaughter-in-law that's from New York, and she's always trying to give me some coffee. You know, some folks just have different ways of talking. But he sat me down. He said this, Walter, he said, you may have a long ministry, and God has given me a long ministry. He says, but you may not have a long ministry. But he says, I'm just going to tell you something right now. Long or short, if you don't finish well, you've done nothing for God. Long or short, if you have not finished well. Well, Jesus is talking about this. Continue. Continue 
in my love. You see, continue is the possession and enjoyment of his love to me. I'm to continue in that as is evident from the next word. Look at verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. Now, here's what he says in verse 11. These things have I spoken unto you that my joy might remain in you and then that your joy might be full. You see, you're never going to have any joy in your life until you get his joy direct in your life. How do you do that? Well, I'm going to talk to you about joy just a little bit today, but we understand some easy things in the Word of God. Romans 12:1 is an easy chapter. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, what do you have to do? Present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is what? Your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. A surrendered life that allows the joy of Jesus Christ to begin to come part of that life each and every day in that life. You can continue in that. That's what God wants us to do. But herein lies the problem. We want love without obedience. Obedience makes the love complete, which then results in the joy that makes our joy full from verse 11. You see, it's a way that God works in our lives. We want to have love without obedience. If you love me, what? Keep my commandments. Love comes that way, and in that, when that love is complete, the joy will begin to come, will begin to happen. He's talking about. But see, the trouble is we've allowed sin to bind us and to keep us from obedience. Look at John 8, 34. Jesus answered them, Verily, verily, I said to you, whosoever committeth sin is a servant of sin. We've allowed sin to bind us and keep us from obedience. Uh, folks, was, he asked me to give my... Uh, Testimony. Well, after I got saved, God just began to do a work in my heart immediately. And I, I wanted so much to preach the gospel. I didn't know where to go to church. I didn't I know where to go to church, but I didn't know where to go to school. There were no schools around. Realize I was back in the dark ages. I asked a little boy asked me a few years ago, he said, did you know Noah? <laughs> but and I didn't know where to go. And I was praying about where to go to college. And so my brother, who went to college with me, we both graduated together. My brother and I began praying together on a Monday night. We would get together and we would pray every Monday night just to, for, uh, to find out where God wanted us to go. Well, we did this for weeks and weeks. And one night, his father-in-law asked us to come over to his place and pray with him, too. And we went into a little room and we began to pray, the three of us. And we were just praying for God's will in our life to show us where to go, what to do, to be a, a servant of the Lord. And I don't know what happened, folks, in that room, and I can't explain it to you, but this is what happened. One of us 
got a hold of the fact that we needed to confess sin. And they began to confess sin, and the Holy Spirit of God got a hold of them, and they, we began to confess sin we didn't even know we had in our lives. And we began to confess things that we didn't even think were sin, and we began to do that. 10 or 15 minutes went by, and the sweat began rolling down. It was one of those snot-slinging, sweat-running uh, time of prayer. And we got up, and it was two hours and 20 minutes later. Folks, we have let sin get a hold of us. Every one of us. We do things in our lives. We look at things. We watch things. We talk about things. We think about things. And then we want to love God. And then we want to be obedient. Be obedient. We want to have joy. But we let sin bind us. Then we let Satan blind us, haven't we? We, uh, uh, Second Corinthians 2.11 says, Lest Satan should get an advantage of us. For we are not ignorant of his devices. We have let Satan blind us in so many, many things. I'm an old, independent, fundamental, Bible-believing Baptist from way, way back. And I remember when we wouldn't even go uh, to a grocery store on Sunday. Little small things, and we look at, oh, that was dumb and stupid. We could just do those things, and we can say this, and... And we uh, know there was time when people, the convictions, we, we, Sunday was special. Sunday was something that was set aside only to worship God. You went there Sunday morning and then Sunday afternoon, you stayed around worshiping God. You went back Sunday night and you didn't go out and do this. You didn't, you didn't watch the wrong things. You didn't look the wrong. We've just let Satan blind us and, oh, that stuff's not important anymore. I'll tell you what, godly living's always important, folks. It never changes. It never changes. And we've let sight, and then we've done something else, folks. We've let society embitter us. The Bible says in Hebrews 12, 15, looking diligently, lest any man fall of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. We've let society embitter us. It's so easy to get mad at everything that's going on around us rather than gathering together, worshiping him, falling in love with him, finding the joy that can come from him. We decide to where the only thing that counts that he is glorified and honored in our lives, that when somebody sees us, they see Jesus. People need the Lord. I love the song you just sang. We started singing that and I'm thinking how much people need the Lord. Well, now that I've got to that part, now I'm going to tell you about our joy just for a little bit. Let me ask you all a question. Where's the joy of your salvation? Where is the joy of your salvation? The Bible says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is with me, bless his holy name, who forgiveth all thy iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases. I don't know about you. I just gave you my testimony a few minutes ago. I can't get over getting saved. I can't get over the fact that the son of a drunken man, the son of a father, that the only thing I remember about my father is when I was about nine years old, I worked real hard at a shoe shine shop and found enough money 
to buy myself a shirt that I wanted. And I walked into the living room, and he's sitting there in a drunken stupor. And I walked over to him and says, look at my new shirt, Dad. And he grabbed it and ripped it off my chest. That's all I remember about a dad. And yet God reached down and lifted me up out of the miry clay and set me upon a solid rock and saved my wretched soul. Then called me to preach his glorious word and allowed me to meet and talk and live with people. I can't get over the joy of my salvation. I get excited every time I think about getting saved. It's been 54 years that it's still just as fresh in my mind as it was back then. Oh, folks, if you're not saved here tonight, oh, there's a joy there. You know why there's a joy in your salvation? Because he gave it to you. There's a joy into it because it came from him. What a joy. Where's the joy of your salvation? I was redeemed by the Savior. 1 Peter 1.18, for as much as you know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as a lamb without blemish and without spot. I got washed from my sins. I got cleaned up. I got forgiven. I walked in that office that day and that lady said to me, what's different in your life? And I walked right over to her pastor and I just looked at her and said, I got saved. She says, what are you talking about? I said, I just got saved in my truck. I'm going to heaven. And I couldn't get over it. Went to see my pastor, the pastor. It was, this is hilarious. This was on Monday. I went there Wednesday. I've been going to, uh, 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 I'd been, uh, I knew a pastor down the road. I went down to him. We started, I went down there and I said, I need to get baptized. He said, well, you need to get saved first. I said, I did that Monday. (laughs) I said, I just need to get baptized. The Holy Spirit told me I need to get baptized. Nobody else told me to get baptized. A couple weeks later, me and my brother went to him and I said, we're reading our Bibles and they told us to go and visit people. Pastor, why don't we have a visitation program? He said, ah, it doesn't work anymore. This is back in 1969. Me and my brother went out and started door knocking. Didn't even know what we were doing. But we went out there door knocking because God told us to. You know why? There was a joy. There was a joy in that salvation that I just couldn't get over. There was a joy that made me just want to do something for Jesus. There was a joy that just wanted me to tell somebody what Jesus did for me. So I found my little 16-year-old brother and told him what Jesus did for me. And you know what happened? He got saved. Then I begged my mama to come to church with me and my wife, and she got saved. Where's the joy of your salvation? Folks, we need to get excited about what God wants to do more than anything else, the joy of our salvation. This world will start changing when they see Christians that have really got something. And what have you got that nobody else has apart from Jesus? That's your salvation. Where is the joy of, this, of your salvation? You've been washed from your sins, made whole by the word of God. But I've got another question for you. Where's the joy of your church fellowship? Now, I know you got here and you, uh, I came in here and a bunch of you, oh, Brother Schmidt, good to see you again. And that was wonderful. And I just had a great time talking to a bunch of you, hugging a few of your necks and just having a great, great time. Because I love you people. But there's a, 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 
a great one. You know why it's so great, though? You know why this, salvation, this place is so great? You know why it's better than any place else? Because the spirit of almighty God is here. This is the place. He's here. He's manifold. Look, all of you around. If you're saved, raise your hand. Okay, good. Look how many, look, he's there everywhere. Everywhere that hand was raised, the spirit of almighty God is. He wants it to be working so much in our lives. We ought, we ought to just uh, be grateful that we can be in a place where the spirit of God is. Where's the joy of your church fellowship? It ought to be something to just look forward to going in the door. I'm going to church again. I'm going to get in there with God's people. I'm going to hear the, uh, the announcements. I'm going to uh, sing songs. I'm going to, I'm going to be able to talk to people. I'm going to get preached to. I'm going to get convinced in my heart and soul that I ought to do something for God. Where is the joy of your church fellowship? You see, if we came here every single service wanting to get something from this service, We'd go out of this place with joy. He said, uh, kind of like it was when we went to Australia for the second time. They announced, uh, the preacher announced, the missionary announced that Brother Schmidt's coming to replace us. And he's kind of old. He's 69 years. I was only 69 years old then. Man, I was young. And he, they, and, uh, we had, uh, I found out later, we had this pilot and his wife, he's a pilot for China Air, and he was a South African, and he was over there in Australia, and his wife had been griping all around the church. See, that's what happens, not, not having church fellowship, having church gripingship. And she was griping out, we're going to have six months of an old preacher in the church, there's not going not to be anything going on with this old preacher, he probably, he probably just doesn't like anything, doesn't have any jokes, doesn't just, he's probably just no fun at all. And he probably can't hardly walk. At that time, I could walk. <laughs> so I found out about it. So we went down on the, one day. We went, we went on a church picnic down on the Indian Ocean. And there were some sand dunes there. And I'm 69 years old. And I looked at all of them. There was only about 30 in that little church over there. I said, last one up to the top of the sand dunes has to do all the cooking. And I took off. And I beat every single one of them to the top of that. Got up. There. I'd have killed myself to get to the top of that thing first. Got up there. She come <laughs> puffing and patting up there afterwards. She was about 39, 40 years old. She was puffing and patting. She says, I'll never say another word about, about you, Pastor Schmidt. But let's quit griping. Let's quit worrying about that person down there that you don't especially like. Let's learn to find the joy of our church fellowship. Let's fall in love one with another. Because we have the same exact spirit in each one of our hearts that wants to draw us closer together and bring us to what we ought to be. You see, Psalm 134 verse 1 says, Behold, bless ye the Lord, all ye servants of the Lord, which by night stand in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. The Lord that made heaven and earth bless thee out of Zion. You see, the saints of God are here. Why would I want to be anywhere else? The saints of God are here. Where is the joy of your church fellowship? Third point, and I want to talk to you just about something that's really dear to my heart. Where is the joy of your service for Jesus Christ? 
We sing a song, there is joy in serving Jesus. Where, where is the joy in serving Jesus? When I was here as your uh, seniors pastor, as it were, having a blessed time with the, the seniors of the church here, every Tuesday morning, I had the terrible thing of I had to go out visiting with Jeff Smith. <laughs> had to get up and go out and knock on doors with Jeff Smith. It was some of the best days of my life. It was some of the best days of my life. Because we got to talk about Jesus. We got to tell people about Jesus. Where's the joy in your service? I'm 80 years old now. And I have to use a cane because we found out we're not sure yet, but I had polio when I was a boy, and there's a thing called post-polio syndrome that the effects of the polio come back in your latter years. And there's no cure for it. It's just something that starts happening. I go to the gym four or five days a week and walk on the treadmill. Nothing gets stronger. But every Saturday morning, I get on a bus with... 14 other people and go knock on doors. And I limp down the street. Takes me forever to get from one house to the next. But I get to serve Jesus. You see, there's joy in your service. Have you lost that joy? Maybe you've never found it. Until you find out that we're to serve him. That's why we're here. There's no other reason to serve him. Paul said this, but none of these things move me, neither count my life dear unto myself, that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Paul said, nothing else is going to bring me joy. Where's the joy of your service? What are you doing this week? What are you going to do this week to, to serve God? Are you going to tell anybody about Jesus? Are you going to pass out a tract to anybody? You never know what may happen. You all know Rick Savage. Blessed, blessed man. Well, I was in a mission conference with Brother Rick. And uh, we were up there for a full week with a mission conference with him. And my wife and I, wherever we went on a conference or wherever I go to preach, we always tried to find something in that town that we could see or uh, get a souvenir from or something to bring back. For a memory so we can remember this is why we're in this town. Well, we couldn't find anything in Jackson that was even worthwhile seeing. <laughs> and we were getting a little uh, struggle just a little bit. And, and I saw a sign one day said, on Sunday afternoon, I saw, driving back from church, I saw a sign, Indian Mounds in Pinson. There were some Indian Mounds. I said, we'll go see those Indian Mounds on Monday. So we got up Monday morning and, and we got in the car and drove down 45 back towards Corinth. And there's these Pinson Indian Mounds. So we uh, get by. But there was a wonderful thing happened on my way going that direction. There was a golden arches. And I could get myself a cup of coffee. So I pulled into the drive-thru. And I'm going up to- towards the drive-thru. And I get this punch on my arm. And I look and my wife's got a track in her hand. She says, you need to give this to the girl when we go through the line. So we get up there to pay. And uh, there's this little girl in the line there. And, and I gave her the money. And I gave her, I gave her the track. And I said, ma'am. This is a gospel track. 
I'd love to have you read it. I know you're working right now and you can't stop to read right now. But would you do me a favor? When you take your break, would you just read this for me? I'd really appreciate it. She said, yes, sir, I will. So we drove on down to the mounds. Well, we got down there, pulled in. It was on Monday, and they wanted $3. And I'm thinking, that's crazy. Just to look at the two hills. And then I saw the sign there, and it said, Tuesday, free. I said, we'll come back tomorrow. <laughs> so now I'd already driven 20 miles, but you don't think that, you know, the gasoline. So, so we went back. We went home, and Tuesday morning we got up, and I said, let's go to the mounds. So we get up the next day and drive. And the golden arches are still there. So I pull in to get the cup of coffee again. And as I pull around, I order it through the microphone, come in. When I get around there, the same girl is there. And she says, sir, you're the man that gave me that track yesterday, that piece of paper yesterday. I said, yes, ma'am, I am. And here's what she said to me. She said, I took my break and I read it. And I trusted Jesus as my savior. Do you have some that I could give to the other people here? And I said, yes, we do. Where's the joy of your service? Where is the joy? Now, I just brought joy to your heart just telling you that story, did I not? Don't you realize that it's out there for you to have all the time? Where's the joy of your service? Not as though I had already attained Neither were already perfect, but I follow after, if I may apprehend that which also I am apprehended of. Oh, brethren, I count myself not to have apprehended, but this one thing I do. Forgetting the things, those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Where's your joy of your service? Where's your joy of the fellowship with the brethren? Where's the joy of your salvation? Can I close with just a little thought that God has given me in recent days? I need to seek that joy. I need to go after it. It's something I must long for. I must be obedient to Jesus and go after it. But I've got a verse of scripture. When God gave it to me, it's turned my life around. And I want to share it with you tonight. I'm going to give you time to find it because it's not easy to find. Are you ready to find it with me? I want you to turn to Zephaniah. Turn to Zephaniah with me, if you would, please. One of the favorite books of the Bible. Y'all read it and just study it all the time. The book of Zephaniah. When you find Zephaniah, get to the third chapter. Zephaniah is talking to the people of Israel, of course, but the people of God. And he says something just absolutely phenomenal. Verse 17 says... The Lord thy God in the midst of thee. Now, what have we been talking about? Look, God says, the Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. Right off the bat, look what you got. The Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. Then look what it says. He will save. 
Not he can save. Not he wants to save. He will save. And then look what it says. He will rejoice over thee with joy. God's in your midst. He wants to rejoice over you with his joy. But the last part of this verse. He will rest in his love. God's joy. He wants his joy to be upon you. And then he says this. And Pastor Allison. I can't get a hold of this. He says he's going to sing. When I do what I'm supposed to do. He will joy over me. With singing. God singing. God singing. Think, think with me with your spiritual mind. What do you think it sounds like when God decides to sing? And he says, I only do it when I can joy over you. When I can, when you are obeying me, when you are following me, I will joy over thee with singing. I can't even imagine the voice of God. I can't even imagine this little old boy that lived on 2675 West Islip Avenue in the house of a drunkard that God lifted up. And this boy goes out and he passes out a track to a girl at McDonald's and God starts singing. He comes back the next day and the little girl tells him how she got saved and God just singing. Where's your joy? I want that joy. I live for that joy. I don't know how many days God's got left for me. I'm 80 years old now, but it don't matter. You see, I can rest in his joy. I can go to sleep every night and if I die... I get to hear him singing face to face. Anything wrong with that? Can I ask you all a question? Where is your joy? God's got it out there for you. It takes obedience and love. And you can have the joy of God. Let's pray together. Father Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for your joy. Lord, just bless this time. If there's somebody here that's not saved, oh, Lord, please save them. If there's somebody here that's just out of fellowship or brokenhearted, there's joy. You're glad to give it to them. Bless, I do pray in Jesus' name. Amen.